Welcome to Rethink Retail, the show where we dive into the stories and strategies behind some of the most successful brands on the planet. From brick and mortar giants to e-commerce disruptors, we uncover the secrets to their success and deliver the keys to true retail transformation. So ask yourself, are you ready to rethink retail? The future of retail starts now. Welcome to another edition of the Rethink Retail Podcast. I'm your host, Kirat Anand. With me today are two seasoned retail transformation executives, and I'm really excited to jump into the ESG conversation. First, I'd like to introduce Logan Duran, VP of ESG and Sustainability at Tapestry, and Josh Levy, Director of Offsite Solutions at Pivot Energy. Logan, Josh, thank you for being here. Thanks so much for having us. Yes, thank you so much. Perfect. First, Logan, I'd love to start with you. Can you talk a little bit about your role at Tapestry and maybe how the collaboration between Tapestry and Pivot Energy came about? Yeah, so um, I've been at Tapestry about four years now, and I lead our ESG and sustainability practice. And we're really focused on uh, a couple of things. One is how do we measure environmental uh, and social impact? And then how do we either reduce or improve uh, environmental or social impact across the entire value chain. So we're focused on our own operations, how we make product, the types of materials we use when we make products, uh, as well as the supply chain uh, upstream. Probably five years ago, four or five years ago, we actually launched what was then called our social fabric, but is now called the fabric of change, which is our broader ESG strategy focused on four pillars, our people, our planet, our products, and our communities. And within those Four pillars. We have specific goals tracking towards 2025. So, you know, working on things like access and equity, working on things like inclusion, EIND practices, as well as when we look at things like planet focused on waste and water and energy across both our own operations as well as within the supply chain. And so this was really part of a larger effort uh, within Tapestry to procure 100% renewable energy in our own operations by 2025. And so when we say our own operations, we're really focused on our retail stores, our offices, and our fulfillment centers. And so really excited about this opportunity to partner with Pivot Energy on procuring renewable energy within our own operations in North America. Perfect. And you kind of touched upon the renewable energy aspect of Pivot Energy. Josh, can you share some insights to Pivot? Uh, regarding Pivot Energy and and maybe some of our listeners who might not be familiar with your work, and then maybe what aspects of tapestry and the sustainability goals and maybe the four pillars that Logan mentioned really led to a perfect marriage? Yeah, be happy to. Yeah, Pivot Energy is a company that started off being just a solar developer, primarily uh, what we call behind the meter projects, you know, so rooftop projects and as well as community solar projects, which we'll go a little bit further into. We used to be just a developer, but with the backing of some investors, and we have actually been able to now own and operate our projects. And so that means for the lifetime of these projects, we're going to continue to be managing them and own them. And that's when they brought me in a little bit over about two years ago to help monetize the attributes, the renewable energy certificates that come from our projects. And so... For us, one of the things about Pivot that you know I'm happy to talk about further is we are a, a certified B Corp. We really believe in those 
same kind of pillars that Tapestry does. We focus on um, making investments, both from, from a community perspective, as well as in workforce development, et cetera, that are um, really are the key core fabric of our kind of methodology and how we develop our projects. So it was really just a, a great fit when it comes to what Tapestry does. We, we are big fans of Tapestry, Logan and his team and what they've done from their sustainability actions. And we were really excited for the chance to get to work with them. And so now Pivot again, we have developed community solar projects and other projects really across the country. And we continue to hopefully grow and do more of that going forward. So Josh, you've mentioned community solar a few times in that answer. So I'm going to start mm -hmm. with you. Can, can we dive in a little bit deeper and double click on what community solar might be for some of the listeners who don't know? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And community solar, they're thinking about solar arrays, right? When you think about where they can go, we can either put them on a roof or you could kind of put them in your backyard, right? And the idea of community solar really was to try and enable solar energy to be developed for everybody, for the masses, where they didn't necessarily have a building that they could build on. And so with, depending on the state and different states have different programs. And so you may, depending on where your listeners are, have the opportunity to subscribe to a community solar array. It's usually just a financial savings. So Every community solar project, they usually are smaller. They're not like large utility scale projects. They are what we call DG, uh, direct to the grid. They're you know typically around five megawatts max, maybe 10, depending on the state. And it's hard to, I don't want to get too far in the weeds for your listeners to, to understand what, like, what the difference is. But basically, when you see those really huge ones out in the middle of the desert, those are typically utility scale, right? We're usually working a little bit smaller projects, but... What those projects need to go forward is they need a subscriber. Um, and so that can be individuals, business, uh, businesses that subscribe to the renewable energy that is generated from these solar arrays. Once these subscriptions are going onto the grid, the utility, whoever that local utility is out there, will give you a discount on your utility bill based on how much production is coming from the solar array. So that's kind of how community solar works at a really basic level. And then most programs, depending on which state they are, the attributes or the renewable energy certificates that come from these uh, community solar projects will go directly to the utility for them to use. But we have the opportunity in certain states, like Illinois, for instance, where if we can find a corporate off-taker, like Tapestry, for instance, to commit to purchasing the attributes that can make these projects still be financeable for us. And so we can utilize other individuals, whether it's low to moderate income housing, um, homes that need some discounts in their utility bills or other businesses as subscribers for the community solar and the attributes, renewable energy certificates that are generated will be uh, going to tapestry. And that's how we develop these projects. It seems like a no-brainer, like a win-win for everyone, right? And I'd, I'd love to hear from the other side. So, Logan, can you explain how Tapestry's commitment to renewable energy, reducing energy and, and emissions, aligns with the community solar projects and how you connected with Pivot Energy or found Pivot Energy? 
Yeah, I mean, when we started out on our renewable energy sort of journey, we were definitely trying to figure out how we were going to address this, right? And you think about the fact that we've got a, a corporate office in New York, we've got a fulfillment center in, in Jacksonville, we've got hundreds of retail stores all across the United States. Some of them are in malls, some of them are in standalone, some of them are within enclosed malls. And so I, I think the challenge of being able to put solar on any single roof or procure directly from a local utility in those regions became extremely cumbersome and really challenging for us. And so we were looking at and conducted a broader sort of search and a request for proposal on a broader solution, right? Is there an opportunity for, to, for us to invest in a broader solution? And, and that's when we connected after looking at probably a couple dozen different solutions, came across the opportunity with Pivot. And, and so this really meets our needs of being able to procure the renewable energy certificates uh, to support the you know, transition to renewables across the, the United States, uh, and then also meet our broader goals and our broader initiatives. And so I think it was a, a way for us to sort of meet some of the existing challenges of a corporate entity like us with a very decentralized footprint from, from a store perspective, but also a, if you think about the size of a retail store, relatively small and not really large enough or even ownership of the roof to, to do sort of a one-off project. And so this was a way for us to, to sort of hit a, hit a big swath of our, our energy requirements in, in one fell swoop, which was pretty exciting. Well, that's great. I'd love to understand going forward how your team, Logan, is planning on tracking, measuring, and then reporting some of the outcomes. It seems the impact of the value chain, I should say, is very clear. The question I would have is, does Josh and his team provide uh, dashboards? I mean, is there a platform? How, how are we measuring, tracking, and then reporting the results? Yeah, I mean, I think our, our sort of plans, our expectations is to be able to basically track the amount of energy produced. And then obviously that comes with an associated renewable energy certificate, and then that gets shared with Tapestry, and that's how we we do our sort of renewable energy accounting, right? And we actually have a, a third party come in and evaluate both our energy, our renewable energy procurement to make sure that we're tracking against our goal, but then also the calculated carbon savings associated with, right? So we assume that if you're using renewables, then you're not using some other type of high emissions, fossil fuel derived energy producing plant. And so there is a net benefit there, right? And so I think that fits in largely with our broader efforts and our broader commitments to something called science-based targets. So about two years ago, Tabersi committed to setting a science-based target. Uh, and we've actually been working to measure the environmental or the carbon impact of our entire value chain uh, and effectively, science-based targets just make sure that companies are setting their climate ambitions and their climate targets and goals to be aligned with the one and a half degree climate warming scenario put out by the Paris Climate Accord. And so we've set that target. We've uh, submitted it to the Science-Based Target Initiative for review, and we're actually waiting on validation. But I think what's exciting, what's interesting is when you look at the entire impact of uh, our own operations relative to the impact of making products and especially in a broad contracted supply chain, the majority of the impact for our business actually sits within something called scoop three, which effectively is our value chain and our supply chain, right? But in order for us to then go to our partners who we work with, our 
sort of our tier one cut soap factories or our tier two raw material suppliers, we need to sort of be able to say that we're walking the walk, right? So we actually launched earlier this year or sort of end of last year, uh, a decarbonization plan where we've worked with several consultants on both the measurement of carbon impact and water impact, but also identifying who are the hot spots and where do we need to dig in a little bit more and are working with our suppliers uh, to basically develop decarbonization roadmaps and working to support them in, in that process. But in order to have any credibility with our supply chain partners, we also need to show them that we're doing that in our own business as well. And so it really allows us this commitment to 100% renewable energy, but these these investments in procurement of renewables allows us to then sort of show and identify to our partners that this is something that we take really seriously. Yeah, I, I, I love that, Logan. I'm going to come back to that, but I'd love to maybe get Josh's from Josh's lens. Josh, I know Pivot focuses on a threefold impact, new clean energy, community investments, and I think energy burn relief. So how are you measuring, tracking the impact of this for Logan and his team? Can you share some insights? Yeah, happy to do. The easiest way that we can do that is we make a commitment uh, right off the bat to do uh, donations locally, right? Just because of the commitment that we get from Tapestry, we're able to turn around and do a $2,000 per megawatt of size of the uh, um, the project to the local communities. And we have a couple different, we have a whole what we call kind of impact team, which is great to have. So we usually are, again, we focus on energy burden, which is any type of relief we can. We also focus on workforce development. And then we do our other sustainable practices like agrivoltaics that we pay for. So when we're looking at local communities, uh, we have a couple different local community colleges and universities that do workforce development that it's going to be uh, focused primarily on diversity in that workforce development in the renewable energy sector, um, where training and jobs are created directly from these types of donations that we fund uh, through our donations. And then when it comes to uh, a low energy burden, we work with a couple different nonprofits that can actually help with bill assistance from their utilities that are out there to try and do reductions, or even in some of our other partnerships that are like, say here in Colorado, we work with a group called Energy Outreach Colorado, where just they go out and actually sign up low to moderate income communities for the community solar subscriptions right off the bat that can almost wipe out, if not definitely significantly decrease the bills that they have to pay for their electricity. So these are all different ways that we focus on making sure we're going to be making that impact. And then these are things that we will be sharing with Logan Suds from our own uh, sustainability reports that we can share so that, you know, they can see the impact that's not only happening just in year one from them making these commitments, but in future years as well, um, which is really part of, you know, communicating this impact and story from a long-term perspective, because again, we have a, a long-term agreement with Logan and, and Tapestry, which is really exciting. And then I'd say the other piece that is maybe a little bit harder to track, but there is significance to it, is our agrivoltaic practices. I've got uh, one of our, Angie Burke, she's the head of our O&M team, and she shares often all the new images of not only sheep that are being brought in and the practices that we do that have from the grazing, but I also learned that geese as well are part of these grazing animals that are helping to keep these uh, solar arrays performing properly in a way that is not harmful to the land in any way possible. And 
These are all things that we do that are part of our practices that a company like Tapestry Supporting helps us do long-term. It also helps out a lot of farmers. So we do work with a lot of different farmers that are maybe having challenges in producing. They're facing high costs for them to be able to utilize in solar arrays can be really beneficial for them to have income as well as the different farmers that we use for our agrivoltaic practices because they get to take their sheep and goats and geese uh, to go ahead and, and help and do get in the fed and they get paid to do so. And it's, it's a great partnership all the way across the board. I, lo I love that uh, charitable component that you mentioned, Josh. Uh, like you said, what, $2,000 of, uh, of, of donations per, what? Uh, per megawatt. Uh, per megawatt. Yeah. So essentially the portfolio, again, these are five megawatt projects. When you're looking at basically it's like $10,000 that are coming from each project. And we do that locally. That helps in a lot of ways. And you mentioned universities, but are these like state universities, I'm assuming? Actually, sometimes community colleges as well. That are very, that are in proximity to the projects themselves, right? Which is the whole goal. Amazing, yeah. all, all great stuff. So, so Lugan, I mean, Tapestry also has been involved in some, some great initiatives. And, and as a former designer who was very focused on waste management, I, I, I love the fact when I, when I first read about Coach Reloved or, or Coach Topia or, or some of the other initiatives, can you speak about some of the initiatives that some of our listeners might not be familiar with, or they might love, right, um, at Tapestry, and how they all weave and tie into, no pun intended, the sustainability goals. Yeah, absolutely. We're definitely really excited about some of the stuff that's been coming out of uh, a lot of our brands recently. And specifically, as I mentioned, our sort of four pillars of people, planet, products, and communities, right? And so within that product pillar, there really is a focus around things like environmentally preferred materials and how do we increase adoption of environmentally preferred materials. And for a long time, we've been committed to sourcing our leather from leather working group tanneries. I think actually sort of upwards of 80% of our leather right now is coming from gold or silver rated leather working group tanneries. And so that's sort of the, the highest standard from a tannery perspective. And as you mentioned, we're really focused on how do we start to transition or really lean into the fact that these are high quality, durable products, and that one of the best opportunities for reducing environmental impact of products is just to continue to use them and really sort of lean into that durability. And in 2021, we actually launched what you referenced, the Coach Reloved program at Coach, at Coach Brand, which is an opportunity for us to take back products, give them a new life in some way, shape, or form, whether it's sort of embellishments or repair or what we call upcrafting and then get those products back out into the market. Additionally, if we're not able to repair, we're not able to sort of resell it as a unique one-of-a-kind opportunity. We actually utilize the craftsmen, the craftspeople in our New Jersey workshop, and it's almost like a chop shop, right? They'll take it and they'll say, okay, this panel can become a small wallet or it becomes a, a bookmark or it becomes a desk tray or, or these other sort of unique products that really are built off of this sort of long lasting durable material and allows us to continue to give new life to these products. And then, as you mentioned, the Coachtopia, which launched actually April of, of last year, is a completely new sub-brand really focused on how do you design with the end in mind from the very beginning? So designing for circularity and in partnership with our Gen Z beta community, really co-designing and co-developing this offering to make sure that products are made with the 
the least amount of environmental impact, that they're made with waste, and that they've got clear pathways for repair, disassembly, second life, et cetera, to really lean into this circular economy. And I think we're seeing that start to spread across the board. Kate Spade last year, they started a partnership with ThreadUp to really focus on how do you bring products back, really lean into the fact that it may be done with its initial first consumer or first customer, but there's probably somebody out there who would still be really, really excited about using those products and how do we make basically create opportunities and pathways to connect with those with those customers, which which has been really exciting. And we're starting to see uh, really strong progress on those fronts. You mentioned the fives. I like to call them the five R's, right? It's reduce, reuse, recycle, repair, and then rewind it back. And you keep, you, know, you talked about that circular. So I like that five yeah. R's, but you did mention one thing. You talked about environmental preferred materials. And there's a slogan, coach is America's original house of leather, right? Given we're pushing for a more sustainable leather source, uh, I'm just curious, have Stuart Weissman, Kate Spade, as you mentioned, or Coach, or any of your other brands, and now you're going to ho- hopefully have some more brands, right, post-merger, post mm-hmm. have you do- dove in and considered cactus, mushroom, Pintex farming, some more sustainable, eco-friendly forms of leather? Yes. Yeah, and it's so, and so which brands? Yeah, two pieces to that, right? So we definitely are prioritizing and focusing on leather as both our highest volume material, but also our highest impact material. We have a framework that we use when we look at environmentally preferred materials called style, performance, and impacts, SPI, right? So style, first and foremost, it has to meet design's requirements, got to be the right material, the right drape, the right quality, et cetera, for design intent, right? Uh, There's no use making a bunch of products in a material that no one is excited about, right? Performance really becomes a question around quality and durability and cost, right? So can we bring it to market? Can we commercialize it in a reasonable way that doesn't make the price of the product so astronomical that we're not likely going to meet the expectations of consumers? Uh, And then third is impact, right? So does it have a measurable reduction in environmental impact that we can sort of message or communicate to? And if if we're able to hit those sort of three areas of style, performance, and impact, then we feel really good about those materials. And we definitely have a strong focus on innovation, a strong focus on how do we drive and what more environmentally preferred materials. And what we've seen is that not everything out there right now is hitting that style performance impact, but we have started to see, at least within the leather space, some pretty exciting opportunities and initiatives. And so actually last year, we actually co-invested alongside Material Impacts, Jaguar Land Rovers, Venture Arm in Motion, and Doc Martens in an organization called Gen Phoenix. And what Gen Phoenix is doing is they're basically taking scraps and trimmings from the tanning process and they're shredding it and they're hydro entangling it and creating a material and a textile from recycled leather fibers and recycled leather scraps. And basically we've started to use that material already in, in our Coachtopia products. And so we're excited about those innovations and opportunities because it does hit those th- sort of three categories of style, performance, and impact. And within the leather supply chain, we're really trying to take an end-to-end approach, right? We know that a lot of the impact sits in sort of land management. And so a couple of years ago, invested in a partnership with the World Wildlife Fund, which was a $3 million four-year engagement on how do we drive for stronger systems and infrastructure around traceability 
and working with building up traceability, specifically focused on traceability of materials to confirm that they're deforestation and conversion free in Brazil. A couple of years ago, we committed to and, and are using in our coach products leather from regenerative agricultural practices, focusing on things like biodiversity, soil health, water retention on the land. And then obviously, as I mentioned, our commitment to leather working group, but then sort of these efforts around crafted to last, durability, longevity, and offering things like repair, as well as pathways for reuse, like ThreadUp uh, or the Coachtopia or Coach Relove programs, as well as our investment in Gen Phoenix, and really focusing on an end-to-end supply chain for leather and really trying to drive down and reduce environmental impact wherever possible. Yeah, I, I, I love the initiative of the green logistics and starting it with, with the tanneries and have that end-to-end approach that definitely makes sense. Josh, there was a stat that said by next year, over 75% of the Fortune uh, 500 C, the C-suite would have sustainability goals. As we, we've been seeing this, and obviously you have the Black Rocks of the world, you have everyone from private equity, you have private equity investors, everyone is pushing ESG can you share some of the future initiatives that Pivot Energy might be working on and provide some insight to some of the future plans? I mean, it seems as though uh, your solution is a win-win solution for the community, for the corporations, and for everyone involved. But can you, can you shed some light on maybe some other sustainable projects and partnerships down the, down the pipeline? Yeah, I, I mean, some I can't because they're not publicly yet, and we have to wait till that all I, gets I announced. This was a private conversation. <laughs> But I will say that you're right. You know, when you talk about that stat of, of how many of the major corporations and Fortune 100 have sustainability commitments they have to do. And listen, there are lots of different ways to go about focusing on, and like Logan and Tapestry's done so well, they're focusing on how to reduce first and foremost. They really are focused on SBTI commitments. And then they're looking at the other ways to address their emissions. And with that, and that demand that is happening, we're seeing a lot, right? So there is a lot of demand for renewable energy specifically, as well as other ways to do reductions and keeping tabs on the science-based target initiatives and their guidelines on how to do so is something that is always going to be on the top of every sustainability officer's mind. And it's just great to see that in the last five, 10 years specifically, how important this has become. And it's become much more sophisticated. You know, I've been working in the industry probably for about seven years now, and some of the conversations haven't changed, but a lot have. And there are many ways to address your scope to emissions and whether that's going out and just purchasing renewable energy certificates from existing projects or doing mass procurements. Like I will never for lack of a better word, poo-poo that, right, strategy. We need as much renewable energy on the grid as possible. And I don't care where it gets developed. Like, that needs to happen. And that's going to be something that has to happen. One of the things about us and what Pivot is doing is we're able to, because we are um, doing community solar projects that are a little bit smaller, there's a lot of things that hurdles that we might face that aren't going to be as bad or as lengthy as some of the larger utility scale projects that are out there. So we're a little bit more nimble. We get to do these secondary co-benefits or impacts that we talk about with our projects. And it gives us a little bit more freedom about where and how we do this development because we have for lack of a better word, we've proven that this is a concept that works and that corporates like Tapestry would be interested in doing. 
So we're really excited about the potential for more growth and more development. We're all going to be facing the same challenges with working with utilities and getting interconnections done that larger projects do, but they, those timelines tend to be a lot shorter. So I think what's really exciting is that there's, there's this really neat sweet spot for us at Pivot where we can help corporates meet their you know, commitments that they have to meet a little bit sooner, a little bit faster than waiting for a larger development with traditional power purchase agreements, which can take some time or virtual power purchase agreements. Um, so yeah, I, I'd say right now, I'm, I'm very optimistic or cautiously optimistic because who knows what happens in this world, but that we're going to continue to have some more partnerships that will help the, the growth of not only Pivot Energy, but bringing renewable energy to the grid, which is what we need to do more than anything else. Is, is, is there a minimum scale, Josh, that one needs, a brand needs, a retailer needs to partner with a, a platform like yours? Well, uh, yes and no. I mean, it's to do a development like this, we're excited to be able to really focus on what like tapestries full scope to emissions are. And that was the real goal. Um, that being said, if there are smaller companies that are out there or have a smaller footprint or they're not looking to make maybe as long as a commitment, we do have options still, whether that is through just community solar subscriptions. And that could be a very small business like mom and pop pizza restaurant that just wants to have some reduction in, and help by sponsoring or subscribing to one of these community solar projects that could be the smallest scale and then on a much larger scale like tapestry's done we can really look at spurring the development of new projects and that's really what they've done by making this long-term commitment these are all new projects that have not been built yet that are going to be coming onto the grid that are going to be energizing early 2025 but we wouldn't be able to do it without their commitment right so because of this, they've not only made an impact by committing to and allowing new renewable energy projects to be get developed, but they're also being developed in the state of Illinois, which is traditionally one of the dirtiest grids areas. So you'll hear a term that's being thrown around in the sustainability world called emissionality. So if the difference of buying a renewable energy certificate from a, a grid that's traditionally dirtier than others has a higher CO2 impact. There's some, you know, a lot of discussion about that. So really that's what we've enabled this to happen by developing here is they have this additionality piece as well as a missionality piece because these are brand new projects, which is really exciting. Yeah. So Logan, given what Josh just mentioned about the impact of renewal energy certificates, can you talk about Tapestry's commitment to the renewable energy and how RECs are important to addressing both the crisis in a broader way and reduce the fashion footprint? Yeah, absolutely. So we've committed to 100% renewable energy in our own operations by 2025. And, and the renewable energy certificates is basically the accounting mechanism to allow us to show that we've been successful, right? So when you're creating energy, the, the grid doesn't know one way for the other, if it's coming from a coal plant or natural gas or from a wind farm or a solar farm. But when those Electrons are created from those solar farms or from those wind farms. It comes with that associated attribute, right? That renewable energy certificate. And so that's really how we're able to showcase, hey, we've consumed this much power and we can account for it with uh, a similar volume uh, of renewable energy certificates. And I think that allows us to one, to show that we truly are committed to how we procure and the types of, of power that we're using. But two, it becomes that first step, right? 
fashion, definitely. We have a lot of opportunity of where we can focus on both measurement, but also reduction of environmental impact. As I mentioned, we're really focused on not only our own operations, but also the operations within our supply chain. And as more and more regulation comes out of Europe and even in the United States, we will need to to be able to respond to that regulation. But I think we've tried to take a relatively proactive approach at Tapas to say, look, not only is this where we see regulation going, but we also see this as relevant for our stakeholders and for our customers and for our employees. And so every couple of years, we undergo a, a fairly intensive stakeholder assessment and what's called a materiality assessment with respect to environmental social governance issues, where we go out to investors, our board of directors, our executive committee, our employees, as well as suppliers and customers, nonprofits, academics, a whole host of stakeholders. And we ask them sort of what are the issues or what are the topics that are most important? And it really reinforces the strategy that we've set, which is that stakeholders expect brands and companies to have greater understanding and greater knowledge of the impacts and addressing the impacts uh, further upstream in the supply chain. And it supports our goals around traceability and focus on 95% traceability of our raw materials, but also focusing on things like science-based targets, reducing our climate impact, focusing on water reduction, water consumption reduction, and making sure that we're being as efficient and as responsible with the resources that we do need in order to continue to deliver products to customers that customers are excited about and that they're hopefully will use for years to come. Logan, you talked about traceability and being 95% is the, is the goal of the target. How far are we from that smart packaging where you can just scan the QR code uh, on your coach bag and trace back to where the leather is sourced from or on my Stuart Weissman shoes. Yeah, it's, um, definitely, how, how it's definitely a possibility. I mean, I think what we've started to move towards QR codes in our products for care content labels and for like, how do you care for your products, care instructions. And, and actually one of the innovations that we we're really excited about within the Coachtopia product line is we actually, in every single product, there's an embedded NFC or near field connectivity chip where a customer can tap their smartphone on the chip and it sends you straight to, to a page that identifies all the things that you're just mentioning, provenance, where the product's coming from, but also environmental impacts. And I think the technology really allows for anything you want to put on that website and directing customers to it. And obviously, we're all becoming much more familiar with things like QR codes and NFC chips. And, you know, the technology is there and we're testing it out with Coachtopia and excited about what the potential is. Amazing. So that NFC chip today is available in Coachtopia where you can go and tap it and you could measure the impact of that product and trace it back. Correct. Correct. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. That's very cool. I've had a great time. I'm super excited about this partnership. And Josh, if our audience wants to reach out to you and they're excited about this collaboration, this partnership as much as I, what are some ways or tips that they could reach out to you or your team at Pivot? to kick a, a similar initiative off. Oh, I appreciate that. Of course, we've got our website at pivotenergy.net. You've got a whole host of information and accessible things there on our website. We have a YouTube channel that you'll see me on sometimes as well as other members of the Pivot family talking about our practices and all of our contact information is there on our website too. Um, you know, we, we'd love to 
to talk to anybody that's really looking to make potential commitments like this and, and help do so. And really, again, appreciate Tapestry for kind of being one of the first to lay the ground of this type of work and uh, this type of impact. And we're really excited to start breaking ground on these projects and it's going to be a lot of fun. So yeah, thank you. Well, this is uh, this has been a, a great green conversation. Uh, and Logan, uh, thank you for your time. Josh, thank you for your time. Uh, again, this is Kirat Anand, your host of Rethink Retail, signing off. Great. Thanks so much, Kirat. Thank you for listening to the Rethink Retail podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, apply at rethink.industries slash podcast guest. That's rethink.industries slash podcast guest. Follow us on Twitter at rethink underscore retail and show some love by subscribing on iTunes podcast app. Until next time.